0: So Gunnar, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm
1: good. Dave, you know my passion for uh, simulation games. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So like, uh, I'm a. I have a huge Civilization problem. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my good friend Eric Morrissey is the owner of my Civilization DVD. I surrendered it to him oh, about five years ago because mm-hmm. uh, I did not trust myself with it. <laughs> and yeah. so, and so my pre- my problem became his problem. Um, Anyway, so uh, I noticed I couldn't help but notice that uh, Apple had released uh, SimCity Four on uh, the App Store, mm-hmm. and uh, so now I'm basically useless. Uh, mm. And uh, I can I can already guess what my New Year's resolution is going to be. Uh, but until that time, I'm getting in as much SimCity as, as I can.
0: <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. How about you? So you, uh, <laughs> um, I'm fighting a cold, so I didn't travel this week and. In exchange, I, I caught a cold instead. <laughs> you were well rewarded. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those good. Things are starting to slow down, right? Do you feel it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I'm traveling next week and then I'm uh, done for the year. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that, that accounts for the light week we've got uh, on the agenda here.
0: Yeah. Slow, slow news week, I think. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: Uh, so let's see. What do we got? We got some talk about forks. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got some talk about K cups. Yeah. And uh, oh, and uh, a very special solutions architect. Uh, yep. It was a Ben Breard, right?
0: Yep, yep, yep. We'll be uh, talking about him. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And so, uh, if folks want, uh, <laughs> if folks would like a link to my favorite SimCity tips.
0: Uh, where can I? Where can I go to? Uh, we want to send them to dgshow.org. So D and Dave, G and Gunner, show.org. That's great. What's on the What's on the cutting room floor this week? Oh. Well, we got a perfect donut we have an in-browser spirograph oh which and is awesome that is super yeah. fun yeah. yeah yeah took me back yeah yeah when took a break from SimCity um, <laughs> and, and we have a terrifying uh, giraffe the giraffe is legitimately terrifying it's very yeah. scary
1: yeah 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 cool yeah. Uh, so K-Cups Dave what was it this yes. came to us from uh, Robin Price right
0: yep yep yeah so well yeah did you get the IAVA for it I did,
1: I did, I did, and the CVSS base score was a surprise to me. It was four point nine. Four point nine. Yeah, yeah. pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> jokes for nerds. Jokes for nerds. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, the, so somebody had filed like a formal uh, uh, vulnerability. Uh, uh, what do you call it? notification uh, for the Keurig, uh two genuine cake up
0: uh, machine.
1: <laughs> this is the, we've talked about this machine before, right? This is the, this is the Keurig coffee machine with the, uh, DRM built in. Uh, yep. so you can't use the, uh, knockoff, uh, the knockoff
0: K-cups. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now an attacker, uh, can brew their own, uh, the rogue, uh, unauthenticated, uh, <laughs> uh K-cups uh using using uh this uh the flaw that they found that's right and the and the exploit is hilarious um it's it makes
1: you wonder why they bothered to drm the thing in the first place yeah it's like a piece of tape defeats it yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly but but what's funnier is it uh is is actually the 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 link robinson was the 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 vulnerability announcement of it going you know like using words like the attacker and you know and and it is just so hilarious. A, and, a, and I like the uh, remediation
1: steps suggested at the end of the notice. which yeah. is like, like, no fix is currently available. Owners of the Curry 2.0 systems may wish to take additional steps to secure the device.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's So good. Keeping it in a lock cabinet. <laughs> yep.
1: that's great. Um, let's see. Oh, we got some. We actually have some serious industry news. Things got things got kind of shaken up since since we last talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. Node.js. JS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yup. Uh, so apparently joint, which is the company that, uh, kind of hu- houses the, uh, the Node.js, the wildly popular, uh, Node.js system. Um, they apparently upset enough people that, uh, there's now a fork, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: which is called yep. IOJS or IOJS IOJS IOJS, I guess. Um, yeah, it's the, and and then uh, also uh before DockerCon uh in Europe, uh CoreOS announced that they were well, kind of forking, I guess, I guess forking uh Docker the project um into something they're calling Rocket.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh so so we should talk about the specifics of these and then, and and then I I'm curious to get your take on this whole thing of like why forking happens and about community management and doing things, you know, community wise versus foundation wise versus like, you know, dictator for life, um, yeah. all these different kind of management models. Um, but for so the Docker thing the Docker thing was was huge. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. R- so, right at
0: DockerCon, it's like <laughs> right and that was
1: calculated for maximum damage, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, are you familiar with the complaints of the CoreOS guys? Do you know why they uh, you know why they walked away from the uh, from the Docker guys?
0: Um, the couple of the ones that I picked up on was it uh, I think they like the community people were giving. Uh, patches back to Docker and they were like rejecting them or slow walking them and stuff like that because it was uh, contrary to the Docker business model. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also I think there was a kind of a, the the CoreOS guys mentioned a kind of
1: a bait and switch uh, that they had gone in thinking that they were contributing to a very kind of narrowly construed tool Um, and it became quickly apparent that Docker had much broader ambitions, right? And no coincidence, this came shortly after they got a lot of VC money, right? So you get a, you know, if you have one, if you have one little tool that's really useful and you get a bunch of VC money, the only place to go is up or out. Uh, and so you got to start building other tools. And as soon as you start building other tools, you start stepping on people's toes, right? You start stepping into the ecosystem and now suddenly people who were collaborators now become competitors. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, because
0: yeah. you, you, they were, um, you know, if you look at it, just like the Docker container specification by itself isn't enough to probably run a sustainable business on. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it, you know, the good news is it becomes a standard, but then once it becomes a standard, then anybody can use that standard. And uh, so I, I think that, you know, they they were, like you said, encroaching in areas that were stepping on toes of, of partners and they're like, well, wait a minute. Um, the chorus people said, Hey, let's, let's take a step back and, and slim this down. I, and I, I think the other thing that they were saying too, was that uh, that doctor, the way it was implemented was, uh, too complicated and it, it should be more modular and simpler. Mm-hmm. It was another one of their complaints.
1: Right. Right. Which is contrary to Docker's intent, so Docker talks about the big. their big catchphrase is shipping with batteries included, right? So yeah. they're saying that, well, we're plenty modular, we're plenty extensible, people can plug in whatever they want, but when we ship, we're going to ship with some sensible defaults, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not mm-hmm. uh, I guess not an and not a terrible position to take, um, but then it becomes a question of like where you 're drawing a line right like where the interfaces live and what the nature of those interfaces is going to be and I know if you look on some of the some of the github issues, not coincidentally some of them from red hat um, you 'll see uh, there 's a lot of like one person, you know, somebody from CoreOS or somebody from Red Hat makes a suggestion and then there's like weeks of hemming and hawing and then kind of an unceremonious closing of the issue. Um saying like yeah. this is not the strategic direction. We have a plugin architecture. Never mind the fact that we haven't written it yet, but we're going to go ahead and close the issue anyway because we're going to solve this for you later. Um which of course, you know, Red Hat and CoreOS and plenty of other collaborators are like like, "Wait, wait a minute. Like is there some big strategic decision that you've made that you're not going to let on, you know, that you would yeah. li- like to share with us?" Uh-huh. Um so I think a lot of people were sympathetic to CoreOS's move, um, although CoreOS was like this was not an amicable amicable divorce. This was like CoreOS is obviously trying to hurt Docker by by making this announcement. Um, yeah. But the thing that you know, the thing that I sweat now is the Docker image format, right? So disentangle. There's when you say Docker, you mean three things, right? There's Docker the company, Docker the tool, and then Docker the format, mm-hmm. um, and. I think the thing, the kind of precious jewels that everyone is trying to preserve here, is like you say, the standard, which is the Docker format, um, which can be implemented by, you know, presumably any number of tools. Um, yeah. It's becoming clear now that like Docker, the company is you now they announced at DockerCon, they've got you know, uh, uh, they got Docker Swarm, which is suspiciously close to Kubernetes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also using Mesos underneath. Interestingly, Mesos threw in with the Rocket guys. They said, yes, yep. we're going we're gonna to go contribute to these CoreOS guys, and then immediately turned around and announced that they were, they were working with Docker on the Docker Swarm tool, um, which, was, which is kind of interesting. So they're playing both sides of it, right? Yep.
0: Um,
1: and I think Red Hat made an announcement, something to the effect of, we're going to let this shake out. Um, like we're going to sit, we're going to sit back and, uh, kind of let the community figure out what the right answer is here. And, uh, we'll probably, you know, maybe we end up supporting multiple container schemes, right? That's totally possible because we're all, most of our tools are up, you know, at the higher kind of management orchestration layer, uh, which is more or less indifferent to, to somebody's choice of, uh, of kind of the base container tool. Um, anyway, it's kind of interesting. Kind of fun. Yeah. Like it's, a, so, it's so interesting, like how for all the press that Docker gets and kind of everybody believes like Docker is the way to go and Linux containers is the way to go. It's interesting to see still how fluid all this stuff is, right? So one company makes a move and suddenly all the other pieces
0: on the board have to change. Yeah, um, yeah it's fascinating. Yeah. So going over to uh, joint and mm-hmm. Node.js, uh, mm-hmm. sounded like uh, uh, that uh, with... Joint stewardship of Node.js, it wasn't moving as quickly as many would have liked in terms of like new feature enhancements and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so they came out with IO.js, uh, which is a fork that will, I guess, move faster and add more features and things like that. So I, again, I think this could be another example of, of the, um, the people that own the commit uh, rights not listening to the larger community. And yeah, yeah. people reserving the right to fork if they, if they want to.
1: Yeah. And this is the, you know, and this is, this is why open source is great. Um, uh, it's exciting, right? Uh, sometimes excessively exciting because of this, but uh, open source allows you to fork in the first place, right? If any of these tools were proprietary and people were dropped into them, they would be handcuffed to whatever cadence joint was comfortable with. Right. And they would just have to wait for a joint to, you know, decide to include a feature and then it gets included or they would just have to like whatever decisions Docker made about the ecosystem, they would just have to abide by them. Um, But the fact that the forking happens means that there's this kind of counter pressure on any consolidation of uh any consolidation of power in an open source mm-hmm. community, right? You always have to be listening to your users because at any point the users could defect. Um, you know, hit the nuclear option and uh, go start their own project. Um so you saw that with MariaDB and MySQL, right? Mm-hmm. Um LibreOffice. LibreOffice, right? Mm-hmm. And open office, that's right. Yeah. Um so the, do you know what governance scheme these new IOJS guys are doing? Did they start a foundation or is it just like a bunch of bunch of folks on a repo? I don't know. Repo? I okay. don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Because that's, that's another way of uh, kind of managing the threat of a fork, right? If you create a formal governance rather than you know some kind of informal set of power structures you set up a formal power structure and then you have like you know whatever a steering committee or a foundation like OpenStack is done and then you have like voting members who decide on which features go in and which features go out it that is like probably the strongest form of governance you can have but it also like narrows the aperture for the number of participants, right? Because you got to, like, claw your way into the voting booth. Because um, yeah. not everybody necessarily gets a vote, right? So, like, uh, as an example, Cloud Foundry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to be, be a voting member of Cloud Foundry, and uh, which who's now housed inside Linux Foundation, um, if you want to play ball in the Linux Foundry community, it's like $1.5 million dollars right? That's like, you must be this tall to ride this ride. Um, so you could be as clever a committer as you wanted, but you don't actually get to influence the direction of the project in a meaningful way, unless you got 1.5 million in your pocket. Um, yeah. so it's, it, it's, interesting. I, I don't know, Do you, do you think that there's like a right answer to this, Dave? Do you think there's like, there's one structure that is going to work for everybody?
0: Yeah, I I don't know because and I was struggling with that. I was trying to see if there was a pattern or looking at the way Red Hat does things and is there the right way that Red Hat always does it, mm-hmm. um, and and we're different in many ways too. So for instance, we don't have a um, foundation for say OpenShift, mm-hmm. um, but we do participate in say like the OpenStack foundation or the Linux with the Linux kernel people, and mm-hmm. um, I know that. The, the cool thing is that, you know, we have the uh, OSAS group, uh, the open source, uh, you know, standards. Um, they they spend a lot of time thinking about these things of what is the right way to do a governance board. So, you know, a lot of the things that we've learned with uh, the Fedora project and um, whenever we join forces with CentOS of, of taking that, Uh, governance and making it putting more daylight on it and and having the decisions being made in the public um does create i think a a more open sort of community so Mm -hmm. but i I don't know if there is one right way to do it and and i think as long as it's open source and you're doing things right you don't necessarily need to have a foundation right Um, right yeah i don't
1: know well and i think too that uh, it depends on the nature of the project and also the nature of the contributors, right? So
0: yeah.
1: uh, stuff like OSERA, right, the uh, VA open source, their health record system, Um mm-hmm not having a governance board in place for that seems like a very dangerous proposition, right? Because you have, like, some very large, very, like, deep-pocketed stakeholders like the Defense Health Agency and the VA and Indian Health and and these other folks, right? And so when you got, like, that much money and power sloshing around inside the community, you probably want some lawyers to draw up some some foundation documents, right? Um, On the other hand, you've got, like, you know, smaller projects like... I don't know pick one uh, pearl uh, not that that's a small project no that's maybe so maybe that's a bad example but like uh, curl right like the curl tool probably doesn't need a foundation because it's just not complicated enough and there aren't enough opinions that are strong enough that they need to get kind of disentangled or negotiated right
0: well uh, and also are people making a business off of curl yeah exactly compared yeah, to right. say Cloud Foundry or right. OpenStack where, where you want to have a foundation of people with Deep pockets that are trying to make money off of something. Yeah, you bring
1: up a good point too, because there's another dimension you can you can kind of factor in here is that you know at Red Hat we have we like you say we participate in a number of foundations. Um, usually, when a lot of companies are involved, we'll get a foundation. So, like Open Daylight is a good example. The network, the mm-hmm. Software Defined Networking project. Um, you mentioned OpenStack already, um, but also like Fedora. Rel and CentOS, which are all related, I can't help but think like Fedora has like a governance system. It's not quite a foundation, but it's like, you know, there's a governance system in place for that. Um, but also you have a governance system in place for RHEL, uh, which is the company Red Hat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, then in the, and then separately there's a governance system in place for CentOS now. Um, anyway, I'm, t- I'm trying to think about, especially when you're talking about upstream projects and downstream projects, Um, if you've got a governance board on say rel, does that like relieve the pressure of having a governance board on Fedora, for example, or does it, uh, or does it make it more important for Fedora to have a governance board? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's kind of like, there's almost like hydraulic pressure in terms of who gets influence and where that influence is applied. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I'm sure somebody's written a book on this. Yep. I just haven't
0: read it yet. Or it's, or it's waiting to be written. Or it's mm-hmm. waiting to be written.
1: Um, if folks have any recommendations on good reading for uh, kind of open source governance approaches, uh, definitely write in. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. totally. So uh, we've gone 18 minutes or so, Dave, without talking about security yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you've, you found a fingerprint reader.
1: Yeah. So uh, Synaptics, which makes basically mm-hmm. every trackpad on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, their latest, related, uh, the newest trackpad that they released is actually has a fingerprint reader built right in. Mm. And so imagine the whiplash I got when my first reaction was like, "Totally sweet, this is that is exactly right." And then whiplash, I turn around and be like, "That is the that is a huge security risk, right?" Um, because in the same way that I've got like, you know, now I'm, now my computer has a camera and a microphone and a way of taking my fingerprint and. Just in the normal course of use, it's not like a special device that I'm swiping my fingerprint through. It's it could grab my fingerprint at any moment, and any program that has access to my trackpad could collect my
0: fingerprint data. Oh, really? Okay, so it's not because I'm used to like the uh, ThinkPads that used to have the, or they may still have them. The <laughs> the fingerprint readers like on off to the side. So, so the whole trackpad is a uh, fingerprint reader. That's my impression. Yeah, yeah, wow. that's what I read.
1: Um, and so that struck me as super complicated in terms of yeah. security. Um, I mean, grabbing my face, go ahead and grab my face. Uh, you know, f- uh, facial recognition isn't that great anyway. Um, microphone a little bit more concerning, uh, but I know how to turn the microphone off or, or at least mitigate the danger of it. Um, but uh, being able to collect the fingerprints off uh, that I, and I wouldn't necessarily know that anyone was collecting it, I don't think. Um, that, struck me as, that struck me as a little scary.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like if you want evidence of who was using that computer at a particular time mm-hmm. and Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. Um does it do DNA testing too? Not yet, but samples? Only, it's not yeah. that far away,
1: right? <laughs> um yeah, pretty pretty scary. And so speaking of identity theft. Yeah. Um I found this very clever uh identity theft, uh, identity theft case. Um this guy Ramon Perez Rivera Um, so he got, he got, he got indicted on 33 counts. He's an 81 year old man. Mm -hmm. Um, he is, uh, in the United States illegally Mm -hmm. and, uh, he has spent the last X number of decades, um, stealing people's identities, but he did it in a clever way. He took it and he turned it rather Mm than, uh, changing his name to someone else's name. He found a target and then changed the target's name to his name. Hmm. Which is a way of hijacking somebody's social security number or, other, or really any other credential, right? So uh he changes their name to his name and then is able to walk into a bank, present his you know his his. ID or his license or whatever, and can take money out of their account, he can open up credit cards in their name, et cetera, et etc. So uh, really just a really clever way of like grabbing of grabbing folks' information. It made me wonder, Dave, if there was like a computer equivalent of this. Um, cause we always talk about somebody like stealing your credential and then using it and then impersonating you. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but what if somebody, what if, what if it goes in the other direction, um, where, uh, somebody actually somehow changes your identity or hijacks your identity? Um, I don't know. What's it, is there an equivalent
0: or maybe yeah, I'm, I don't know. Or maybe I'm looking I, for
1: symmetry where there isn't symmetry.
0: Well, if you, I, I this reminds me of the, uh, a while ago, when your car got stolen, and mm. how helpless you felt, or, or or you thought it got stolen, right? And your your wallet and ID and everything, like how uh, like naked I would feel with like if I didn't have my ID with me or whatever, or, you know, it's, it's like one of those nightmare scenarios where, um, you know, with identity theft, like, you know, people are like, no, you aren't you, but no, I am me. Um, that, that would just be so, that's like science fiction, Twilight Zone sort of, uh, material.
1: So I actually had this experience, um, shortly, I think I was, I was was just a little bit out of college and uh, a lot of people don't know this. I was not born with the name that I have. Um, or I, rather, I was born with the name that I have, but my first name was different. Um, my, my first name was Owen. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, in fact, got flipped. It switched around. So um, I was Owen Hellickson, Owen Gunnar Hellickson. And uh, my dad was also Owen Hellickson. So to disambiguate, everyone called me Gunner, which was my middle name. And then over time, it just got ridiculous. And so we're like, fine, we'll just change it to be formally Gunnar will be my first name. Fine. Uh, that worked for about... 14 years And then I got out of college And uh, Shortly thereafter The Social Security Administration Decided that my name Was Owen again Huh And of course None of my ID Said Owen And so I had to go through I had to go to The Social Security Office And convince them That uh, That I was in fact Who I said I was Even though all of my Identification said That I was somebody else Wow Yeah um, So and it is a little bit scary To like to think That you go adrift Like that um, Yeah and these, you know, these kind of like foundational documents that uh, define you in almost every way, right? Your driver's license, your birth certificate, your whatever else. Um, mm-hmm. Having all that stuff kind of betray you is uh, is pretty scary.
0: Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's it's that the German in me and the the, the, pa- the papers uh, stereotype, <laughs> yeah. you know, that you have to have your papers with you. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, speaking of which, have you seen uh, Black Mirror? I, yeah, I, I just watched the first one, uh, last night. So the the first
1: one is the silliest one. Um, but, uh, for folks who haven't seen it yet, Black Mirror is, uh, this, an extremely dark, uh, Twilight Zone type, uh, science fiction show. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's from the BBC, so you know it's good. Um, and, uh, it's really wonderful. I mean, what we're talking about here with this identity theft is, uh, this is the makings of, a of an excellent black mirror episode. Um, if you folks haven't watched it and you have Netflix, go on Netflix and go watch, uh, at least episodes two and three, and then go back and watch episode one, um, because they're, <laughs> yeah. they're wonderful.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So speaking of terrifying, uh, Dave, we had some, uh, uh Oracle database news, right?
0: <laughs> well, this is actually good news with when it comes to Oracle. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, What's funny was uh, with whenever Rel six came out, you know, it, it just seemed to take forever to get the Oracle database certification, you know, officially announced and everything. And you know, customers were beating us up for it and everything. And um, where for Rel seven, it came out pretty quickly, mm-hmm. um, and it just I, I think it a lot of people didn't know that it, it exists. So you you could actually get the uh, Oracle twelve c and run it on RHEL seven, it's totally certified, supported by uh, um, Oracle and Red Hat and all that. And the the cool thing is that uh, we have a uh, reference architecture that just came out that talks about best uh, practices to get it all tuned up and everything. So it's really exciting. I'm I'm really happy about that.
1: No, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, I, man, I remember waiting for that certification for months and months and months last time around. Um, I'm glad they glad they got that sorted out
0: sooner. Speaking of uh, good news, um, I I saw the Remember the Milk blog has uh, uh, you could give Remember the Milk subscriptions to people and uh, you get like bonus months. So if you give somebody your subscription, you get um, uh, three months. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. So and and you can uh, give it to yourself, too. (laughs) So if you if you have no friends, you can.
1: Yeah. Right. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Oh, that's nice, nice mm-hmm. it's good. Oh hey, did you see the? Uh, there's this meme. I mean, I, I think it's showing up on Twitter like 30 times a day. Uh, this thing about Margaret Hamilton. Yeah, I didn't know who who is that. Yeah, so Margaret Hamilton, uh, is the software the lead software engineer for the Apollo program. Uh, Mm. you know, this is like Apollo 11, right? Apollo 13. Mm. Um, she led the team, uh, that wrote all the software that went into, uh, the Apollo mission. And, uh, she happens to be a woman, uh, and she was 31 years old when she did it. Nice. Yeah. Which is totally amazing. So it made me think of Lauren. Um, Margaret Hamilton is also the person who coined the term software engineer.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. So we'll include a picture. Uh, There's this hilarious picture of uh, Margaret standing next to uh, her code printed out. Because, you know, it's back in the day when you printed code out. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is as tall as she is. Um, it's it's so funny. And it's also funny to see Margaret Hamilton, uh, dressing like, you know, a 30 year old woman would dress in 1970, whatever. Um, which, which is to say that she is indistinguishable from a Williamsburg hipster in 2014. It's just like, exactly. You could like copy and paste her into a hip neighborhood in Chicago and she would look exactly the same. It's very funny.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Ben Breard. Yep. Speaking of hipsters. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. So Ben, so for anybody that knows Ben, he's one of the guys that is famous for uh, talking about System D, and uh, he actually presented at the Red Hat Summit uh, last year with with Leonard Pottering uh, about uh, System D. So that, that was pretty cool. Speaking uh, of works, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speak well, yeah. So he he uh, uh, he did a really good job presenting on uh, System D with Leonard at the summit, and you know he he's built up this brand for being like the system D guy and explaining why it's awesome and and you know stop worrying and start living and you know in, enjoy uh, system D and all that um and so I'm I'm uh uh you know we've been doing a lot of video conferencing and uh we were doing a video conference a while ago and and it's like he joined the video conference and it's like he, he was doing it from his tablet or something in his office. And so it's it's really interesting when when you do what people are video conferencing from their homes because you could learn a lot about a person um, mm-hmm. that you may not ordinarily know from whenever you uh, uh, just seeing them at work and you're talking about computers all day. So he turns his camera on and it's like him and he has like all these electric guitars hanging up on the wall behind him. Hmm. And I'm like – wow, that's pretty cool. And, and it's like, he's like, oh my gosh, my camera's on. So he turns it off right away or he, or he turns the, the camera out of the way away from the guitars. And and it's like, I at, offline, I approach it and I'm like, dude, if, if I had like guitars like that, hanging up on my wall, I'd have my camera on all the time. I'd be showing that <laughs> off. And that, that was like pretty awesome. All these electric guitars and everything. And so we were talking about that and, and, uh, um, and, you know, I was telling him that, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I played drums and and everything and we were talking about music and, and it's, it's really interesting that, you know, whenever you, know, you talk to the SAs or, or like how, you know, we talked to uh, Dave Saran a little while ago about his, his, uh, uh, passions about baking, um, and, and cooking and things like that. It's, it's really interesting to hear the other dimensions from, uh, the, the colleagues you work with and, uh. So one of the things that he sent me a little while ago was a guitar piece he did which which is pretty good it's uh he calls it the uh, chicken pickin blues so we could we could add that in at the end of the show but uh it's is a really uh uh really good uh song that he did so he he's playing the guitar in the song and then the uh the the drum part uh, he did it with uh, Hydrogen, which is a uh, drum machine, and it's open source. Hmm. And uh, he did it all on Fedora 21 and using uh, Mixbus. Oh,
1: oh, that's great. All right. Uh, well, uh, the thing that's most exciting about that is that someone figured out the sound subsystem on Fedora 21.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just...
1: yeah. yeah. So, oh, very cool. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, that'll be our uh, that'll be our outro music, the yep. Chicken Chicken Pickin' Blues. Cool. Uh, Dave, do you have any? Do you have any Christmas wishes? Any final Christmas wishes?
0: Boy, I want to get better for Christmas. I, f- I feel like what is it, Timmy with the crutches? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm, I'll 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 tough this out. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm looking forward to having a, uh, more than a week off because uh, mm-hmm. we'll be shut down. Yeah, yep, yep, that will be
1: nice. We've got uh, uh, Ingrid's family from Sweden is coming over, or at least some of, their, uh, some of the family from Sweden is coming over. Um, so that'll be fun, you know, kind of take them around Austin, show them Texas, things like that. They'll, <laughs> they'll love that. So, yeah, looking forward to a nice low-key Christmas. Get my first Christmas with the boy, so that'll be good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, you can plan on some uh, cutesy photos of the baby and uh, Santa hats and stuff like that.
0: Oh, excellent! Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and I'm sure this year will be okay. But like the next year and the year after, with you know with Santa Claus and uh, mm-hmm. running around with the wrapping paper and everything, it's it's it'll just get better and better year after year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I said this is my chance to uh, create some family mythology, right? Uh, which which is the thing I'm. I, one of the things I get most excited about having a kid is um, the ability to kind of create the rituals right that will mm-hmm. like define the family and that, you know and that they will remember right, hopefully for many years to come um, and so I always fancy myself as the the kind of father who's going to be able to uh, uh, play some kind of i don 't want to say play a trick but like take the traditional Santa role for instance and like t- take it and turn it somehow right um, like make Santa something real right like uh, uh, so that he hears the footfalls outside his door. Right. Um, or, uh, <laughs> you can get that giraffe. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So maybe the terrifying giraffe delivers the presents, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be
0: afraid of Santa. Yeah. yeah exactly. that, that could be the tradition.
1: Yeah. So if anybody's got any suggestions on how I can screw my kid up, uh, <laughs> please uh, send them into the show. Um, we'll, uh, we'll
0: put them in comments at the bottom. All right, Dave. Um, well, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, too. And and so if, if people need to uh, pick up a, a devil giraffe uh, and they need to identify one, um, where do we need to send them?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go to uh, dgshow.org. That's D is in devil, G as
0: in giraffe, show.org. Nice. Well done. Well yeah. done. All right. Well, thanks, Gunnar, and thanks, everybody. Yeah, and thanks, Ben, for the outro. Yes.